The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, marketers. In fact, empowered marketers. In fact, not today. We're looking ahead to the future because this is the Future of Business with Game Changers presented by SAP Services. So let's get started. Okay. Engaging, delighting, and Earning the loyalty of your connected, empowered customers is a complex, evolving science. I use the word science. It's not easy. This is a big task. You've got to find them. You've got to engage them. You've got to make them really happy. And then you've got to get them to stick around. That's tough. What do you do to get this? You need to learn what do they like. How do they shop? How do they like to interact? So many multi-channels today, they're everywhere. And that's not enough. You have to master how to listen on social media. That's not enough. You have to learn how to respond quickly to market trends and figure out which are the trends worth following. And if that isn't enough, you have to gain visibility into the trends coming down the pike tomorrow and the day after. Oh, my, that's a lot. I have a panel of experts who are going to help us figure out what is an empowered marketer, what is this science, and what is customer centricity. Put it all together. We've got a great topic today. Packed house. I have four people on the panel. Let's get the party started. Started. First up on the panel is David Robb. I'll spell that R-A-A-B from Robb Associates. And David sent me the following quote. Marketers can't buy software. Wow, those are fighting words, David. Any company where the CMO has a bigger budget than the CIO is in serious trouble. David Robb, welcome. How are you today? I'm fine, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. So talk to me, marketers can't buy software. Are they doing it? Is there something wrong with it? Let's level set here. Well, marketers uh, are doing it, and, and honestly, they're not doing a very good job of it. Uh, they just tend to go after the bright and shinies. It's a kind of a you know cliche and a but uh, and a stereotype, but it's really true. We just actually are writing up some research right now, where we asked people what what they looked for, and then we asked them how satisfied they were with the results. And not surprisingly, the top things they looked for had to do with cost and ease of use. And that had no impact on their satisfaction. The only thing that really mattered was those who had gone and looked at breadth of features as their selection criteria. Those people, not surprisingly, found the systems that they needed. So, you know, marketers are great at many things, and I'm a marketer. I I can Mm -hmm. say that freely. But uh, when it comes to buying software, they need the discipline that the technologists do provide. So it's not an either-or thing. 
Okay. You know, basically, they have to work with each other, and, and you know, we all learned that in kindergarten. But but it's really true, and you know, so the idea that marketers are over here and the CIOs over there, and they're kind of fighting over who's going to do the spend, just uh, leads to chaos. Everybody really does have to cooperate with each other. The technologists who have a process for buying software work with you on buying software and look at the things underneath the covers like scalability and reliability and robustness and integration and all the things that are really ugly uh, that marketers tend not to care about but that really impact whether the software is going to be any good and let the marketers define their requirements and, and work with the technologists so everybody gets what they need. Sounds like a good idea. And the word chaos, of course, that's what we're trying to eliminate. Quick question for you, David, before we move on to our next panelist. You say any company where the CMO has a bigger budget than the CIO is in serious trouble. Do you see companies like this? You can or cannot name drop at your discretion. So what do you see? Well, there was a very famous uh, prediction made by uh, analysts from Gartner a couple of years back that soon the CMO's technology budget would be bigger than the CIO's technology budget. And uh, not surprisingly, a lot of the marketing technology companies got very excited at the prospect. They started drooling. Um, but again, I think that that's, uh, if that's the future, it's a kind of a grim future. Oh, we don't want grim. We're trying to make it a, a happy, rosy, and very productive and profitable future. So thanks for kicking off our topic, David Robb. And now let's turn to our second panelist, Jerry Brown. He's a senior analyst of customer engagement and marketing technology at Ovum. We enjoy having Ovum analysts on the show. And Jerry sent me the following quote. Winning companies will continually adjust to fast-changing customer demand patterns and social comments, aggressive competitor actions, and media news items content. That's a packed sentence there. Jerry Brown, how are you today? I'm good, thank you, Bonnie. How are you today? De wonderful. Delighted to speak with you. So talk to me. There's a lot of mantras in here in this sentence. Why don't you break it down for us, please? Yep. Um, let me talk a, a little bit about that. Um, so, uh, first of all, um, you know, the, the thesis is really that we're moving to a real-time wor world for marketing. So, uh, in the old days, it's been very much, you know, get your data together, uh, work out the message and the promotion, and, it's a, a, and, and, then, and then send out your communications and your campaigns, which is a, a very sort of convoluted, slow, uh, and painful process for most marketeers. So, the tools are here today. There's some very very exciting technology tools on the marketplace uh, that will enable you to be much more real-time. So being able to respond to triggers in the marketplace, changes of competitive actions, changes in your customer behavior, uh, changes in the way that you want to do business, which will enable you to have an agile marketing organization. Uh, but if I may, I'd, I'd just like to make a comment about this, the whole, mm -hmm. um, you know, exam question for today, which is about mm -hmm. uh, empowerment for marketeers. So, for me, I would say marketeers uh, don't have a great level of empowerment today. Uh, the, where the, the power holds in most organizations is with the CEO, the finance director, the sales director. So um, marketing is really, it, it's, it depends on uh, what you do in marketing. depends really on what your CEO thinks marketing is because marketing is a, is a kind of a fluffy kind of concept. 
So, um, you know, marketeers today are generally seen as uh, interchangeable uh, and it's, it's like a, a, for, for many companies, um, it's a sort of a second rate um, uh, uh, a discipline within, within the company. But I would say that the whole uh, technology move has, gives marketeers a great opportunity to move up the value chain within the organization. Uh, so uh, by having data at, at their fingertips, marketeers can much more cogently make their arguments and make clarity in terms of customer needs and changing markets, etc., and to, to move towards data-driven, fact-based decision-making. Um, and that's where marketeers can really step up and make a difference from an organizational perspective. Thank you, Jerry. And I think in reflection on what you just shared with us, I should change the title of this episode. And this is a shout out to David Fowler at SAP Services, who sponsors this series. Instead of Future of the Empowered Marketer, maybe we should title it Empowering the Marketeer in the Future. Maybe that's where we're going. So thank you for that POV and perspective, Jerry. Good to know. And I'm going to move on now to our next panelist, Jeff Tanner. He's a professor of marketing at Baylor University. And in addition, he's director of Baylor's Innovative Business Collaboratory. I like that collaboratory. I like that collaborative word. And he quotes Jack Welsh. The quote is, the only sustainable co competitive advantage is to learn faster than your competition and to be able to act on that learning. Great quote. Jeff Tanner, welcome. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you, Bonnie. How are you? Thanks for joining me. Fine, thank you. So talk to me. Good Jack Welf Welsh quote. Why don't you relate that to our topic? I think it aligns really well with what Jerry was just saying. Uh, the the role of, of data, uh, particularly big data and marketing technology, is to be able to identify those opportunities in the marketplace, whether it's uh, the big opportunities at the market level um, or an opportunity with an individual customer, and then be able to um, act on that. Um, and I think the real key to empowering marketeers in the future uh, is going to be to be able to give them the tools and technologies that enable them to um, sense those opportunities much more quickly and then be able to react to them. Uh, I, I think where we've really made more progress has been in the, on the data side on the ability to learn faster, um, and, and that is – uh, to create the data strategies that help us get a more complete view of our customer and a more complete view of our market um, and finer grade grain segmentation. Uh, but I think where we're really still struggling and where, there, where there's opportunity to empower marketeers in the future uh, is going to be in how you um, disseminate that learning and then build the response systems so that uh, those opportunities can be captured, can be leveraged faster um, than competition. But, you know, we talk about this, and what I love about that quote is that mm -hmm. it's so perfect for um, this whole conversation around empowering marketers, but it's just also true in the general sense. So, you know, a lot of times we think about empowered marketeers as how do we help them develop that craft, that messaging strategy, and and engage in another digital channel. But in reality, that's also about how do we determine what's the best offer to make, what's the mm -hmm. best product, how do we build better products, how do we innovate in our services, 
And so I, I really think we're talking about empowering marketeers in a much broader sense than um, just giving them more opportunity to, to craft cooler messages or use the latest in technology. Okay, thank you very much, Jeff, and nice to meet you. And let's move on to round out our panel with Michelle Cooper, VP of Marketing at SAP. And Michelle quotes the very wise Benjamin Franklin, and the quote is very simple. When you're finished changing, you're finished. Michelle Cooper, welcome. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you, Bonnie. Good morning. Thanks for joining me. So tell me, great Benjamin Franklin quote. I think it applies to a thousand different topics. How does it work for us today on the future of the empowered marketer? Go ahead, Michelle. Absolutely. I mean, I think we all recognize that change is constant, um, and I'm a firm believer that with change comes opportunity. Um, And I think it's important for us not only as businesses to continue to evolve and change, but then obviously as, as professionals. I think as it relates to this topic this morning, you know, if I think about, um, you know, just the change that I've seen even personally over the course of my career as a, um, you know, B2B marketer, the last several years have brought more tools and technologies and really enabled us um, as marketers, I think, to really grow and expand the capabilities and the insights that we have. So our, our world is changing. It's changing faster than ever before from a discipline perspective and I think it's really important that we embrace that, and I think it opens up tremendous amount of opportunities for us as um, as marketers, but I think it also opens up a tremendous amount of possibility and opportunity for us as, as a marketing profession to bring value to back to the business and really help guide the business and where we need to go and how do we become a strategic driver for that growth. Great points all. Thank you, Michelle. I'm going to ask you one more question before I get to a very difficult question for the whole panel, and some of you, I think, know what that's coming. But, Michelle, in terms of something I mentioned in my opening, to master social media listening as one of the tasks for marketers today, uh, that to me says, in relation to your quote from Benjamin Franklin, you're never finished with that, are you, Michelle? That just is coming at you 24-7. What's your point of view on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's here. It's here to stay. Um, I think that... You know, the the discipline in and around social media is evolving. I think the key is is listening is important, is very important, but I think the interpretation and being able to respond to it is absolutely the most critical component that can come from that channel. And I think that Jeff touched on that earlier, that being able to respond and do that in a real-time is really where the magic will happen and is where companies will really – fully um, achieve the the benefit of social media in those communities. Thank you, Michelle. And now I have a question for the whole panel. First, David, then Jerry, then Jeff and Michelle. And the question is, what's in your cup today? And the reason is that Future of Business with Game Changers is part of our umbrella series, Coffee Break with Game Changers, which has been on the air for over two years now. So I am compelled to ask all of you, what are you drinking or what do you wish you were drinking right now while you're on the air? David Robb, talk to me. Well, Michelle, I, I am drinking some brand of freeze-dried coffee. I couldn't even tell you what kind it is because uh, it's a comfort food. You know, I don't have to think mm-hmm. about it. It's just there, and I just uh, that's just the kind of guy I am in the morning. I don't want to work too hard to get my coffee. 
Okay. Does it have a flavor? Does it have a brand? Is it in a special cup? Anything unique? Uh, well, it's in my little cup that my wife keeps insisting on washing, which I keep telling her is not necessary. <laughs> you know, you lose the patina if you wash it. So I guess it's a special cup. It's a Nestle, whatever the heck the house blend is, honestly. <laughs> Couldn't even tell. <laughs> okay. Thank you, David. <laughs> That's fine. Jerry Brown, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking a large 12-ounce cappuccino from Lantana's Coffee Shop, uh, which is uh, on Charlotte Street in central London. Uh, for those in the U.S., um, Charlotte Street is our equivalent of Madison Avenue. It's the home of UK advertising industry, and it's got the funkiest shops and the, the funkiest uh, cappuccino bars. And Lantana, for me, is the best one going. Um, I have my loyalty card, uh, which is blue tacked to their wall, along with 50 other customers. They empower me by letting me stamp it with, with myself rather than having Ooh. to do it. You know, they entrust me mm-hmm. to, to do that, which is what empowerment is all about, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only is it the best coffee in, in London, but it's also served by a monstrously flirty and attractive Australian girl who makes my day <laughs> every day with a little <laughs> smile and, uh, and, and uh, a, a little curtsy. So uh, that makes it a good experience for me every lunchtime. I love the curtsy and the little smile. And by the way, I have to change the question now. It's not what's in your cup. Who's serving the cup to you? That's what, who gave you the cup? Thank you, Jerry. That's, that's one of the best stories we've had out of over 500 guests. I think you're up in the running for best, best coffee story or biggest smile. Thank you. Jeff Tanner, you do not have to top that one at all. But Jeff, what are you drinking today or what do you wish was in your cup? I I don't know that I could top that one, but what I (laughs) wish was in my cup is a, uh, a cup of Malawian black tea, and um, and I would be sitting on the porch of my hotel about a little way up Mount Malangi in southern Malawi with jungle 10 feet to my left and monkeys playing in the tree, and down below is the verdant valley of, of the tea plantation with mist drifting through the, the, the tea leaves and and just relaxed and getting ready for a, a, another great day of teaching marketers in Malawi. Oh, what a beautiful picture. I'm just swooning. You did you did almost top it. I think we've got a tie here. Michelle Cooper, no pressure. What are you drinking today? It <laughs> <laughs> seems so boring after everyone else. This morning it's a good old uh, Diet Coke. Um, the larger I can find, the better. But I think that I'm uh, doing this all wrong, and I'll take some of what Jerry's having. Okay. Minus the flirty, uh, minus the flirty um, server. <laughs> Australia girl. Okay. <laughs> Good tie-in. Uh, by the way, David Fowler is listening. He's tweeting, and he says, In my cup today, Carmel Macchiato at a Beijing China Starbucks. Dave, I didn't even know you were in China right now, or maybe that's what you are wishing. So thank you for that. Andy Greek, if you want to tweet what you are drinking today, we'd be happy to. Andy is our tweeter, one of our co-tweeters who keeps capturing the words of wisdom. And by the way, for our listeners, we are tweeting actively at hashtag SAP Radio. I'm delighted to be speaking with David Robb from Robb Associates, Jerry Brown, Senior Analyst at Ovum, Jeff Tanner at Baylor. He's a professor of marketing and Michelle Cooper at SAP. We're talking today about the future of the empowered marketer or marketeer, I said corrected, the science of customer centricity. A lot of great stuff coming up. You know what's next, a 30-minute roundtable. Put your seatbelts on. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I'm Bonnie D. Graham.
The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. We're back, and it's time for our roundtable, our virtual roundtable, a little bit of a marathon, 30 minutes nonstop. I'm going to kick this off with Jeff Tanner, professor at Baylor University. And, Jeff, you sent me a very interesting comment here. You say empowerment means different things to different people. If the premise of our topic today is that marketers are empowered due to technology, we've already discussed that a little bit in the opening, we have to first think about empowerment from the customer perspective or we're just guilty of playing with shiny new objects. So, Jeff, why don't you kick us off, and then I'll ask everybody to give their point of view. Go ahead, Jeff. Sure, and, and I, I really love Jerry's comment that empowerment involves trust. And in, mm-hmm. in the, the situation he described uh, in the coffee shop, um, he's being empowered in a way that uh, really signals that they, they trust him and that there's a um, – a valued relationship there. Mm-hmm. So we hear a lot about, um, and, and you brought up the idea of social media listening and, and uh, the importance of social media in today's marketing uh, mix, but um, we hear a lot of talk around uh, empowered customers and how they're able to use media. Uh, but the, the, one of the things that we need to think about in terms of empowering the relationship and not just one side or the other, but empowering the relationship is building into our um, communication strategy and our, our relationship strategy tools that, uh, that help enable the customer, empower the customer to, to really be a part of it. And when you do that, you're also empowering your marketeer because they're able to have a more intelligent conversation uh, with, the, with the customer. And then there's, um, I, I think there's also the, the notion that uh, if, if I give my marketeer a tool, then I've empowered them, but then, the, then you also have to add in uh, what Jerry was talking about, the trust even within. So how much trust am I giving mm-hmm. in the form of freedom to make decisions and freedom to uh, and budget and all of those other things that really communicate true empowerment, that is the freedom to, to um, maximize the opportunity and the utility of, of, those, of those technologies. So I, I don't know that we can just talk about the marketer empowered by a, a tool or a technology. We need to think about empowering the, the relationship 
Um, and and I do think Jerry's spot on with the comment about trust. Well, Jerry, you've been brought into this conversation. Why don't you come next, and then we'll ask David and Michelle to chime in as well. Jerry, what do you think? Uh, thank you for your kind words, Jeff. Um, yes, um, I've got a few comments about uh, empowerment and, and the, the whole connection between empowerment and science, which is the subject of this show. Um, so the, the first thing about um, uh, you know, technology, what does it do for a marketeer? You can do a lot with a little. So you know, there's some marketeers out there who've got marketing automation tools and social media tools, etc., who can do a heck of a lot with, with, with so little technology. So you can have an amazing step change in productivity uh, through using the new technology tools. However, th so in one way, it empowers marketeers to, to do more and do better as well, to measure the, the, their results uh, and to be able to report effectively to management about the success or, or the learnings uh, from various marketing campaigns. I think that there is a flip side, though, uh, and the flip side is that marketers are very accountable these days. They are expected to produce numbers for everything. Return on investment mantra has gone mad because it's not the only uh, valid tool to judge um, a marketeer's performance. So ROI is very, very short-term kind of perspective on getting uh, the best uh, returns on marketing investment. And so... Uh, the finance director is breathing down the throat of the marketeer, the neck of the marketeer, to find out how effective things are, are being run. And there is a tendency to, for marketeers to move to very short-term gains, as in to, uh, to batch and blast emails, to do kind of things which are not good for long-term relationships with customers in order to hit those short-term sales targets um, and uh, um, uh, you know, profitability targets, which the finance department holds so dear. So I, I think um, technology is a, is a flip side. You can do more with less, mm -hmm. but you are very accountable, and that can move you to a very short-term perspective. Thank you, Jerry. David Robb, Michelle Cooper, who wants to chime in next on this point about the meaning of empowerment and the position of marketers as far as trust goes. Michelle, David? Well, this is David. Let me, uh, you know, I think trust is important. I think that in terms of empowering marketers, it's really easy to get excited about the technology, but uh, to the point that was just made about, um, you know, it, it's not just technology. Really, what really drives what marketers are allowed to do in a company has to do at least as much with the organizational culture. And with, you know, how ROI focused, but there's ways to calculate ROI that are long-term, not short-term. So it's not just are you ROI focused, but are you ROI focused kind of intelligently and on the long-term results of marketing, mm -hmm. which can be measured, but much harder than measuring the short-term, which is why the finance guys shy away from it, but definitely possible. And marketers have to educate the rest of the organization to what marketing really can do and, and what the long-term approach is to marketing and to, and to valuation. And they have to look uh, beyond the technology to make sure that, that, that they have a customer-focused or organization, a customer-focused culture, which is uh, very, very different from marketing-focused culture. Thank you. Michelle, do you want to chime in on this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I take a little bit of a different perspective. I think today what I would describe is that our customers are are more empowered, right? If, if you really think about the true empowerment, they're in the driver's seat, right? We know that they are um, educating themselves, and, and when they actually engage with us, they're more educated than, than ever. 
I think from a marketing profession where we are, we're enabled today. We're, we're more enabled than we have ever been with tools and data and insights. But I think for us to really to continue to evolve and to truly, truly be empowered, we need to be able to teach um, and understand what those, you know, how to interpret that data. What does it mean? When you have it, what do you do with it? I see this even with my own team. We, we flood um, dashboards and data sets, but it's really where we truly become empowered is when you, under, you can interpret that and then understand how to use it and what levers to pull and when and to really, um, you know, just get smart about using that data to really then drive the programming or the offers or the campaigns that are, that are put into market. So I think we're kind of, you know, I advocate our customers are empowered, we're enabled, and we are on a path towards truly, truly being empowered in the, in the greatest sense um, as a, a set of marketers and profession. Thank you, Michelle. I like the introduction of the other E word, enabled. Maybe it's the enabled marketer and the empowered customer. We Maybe we want to flip that. I want to take this in a slightly different direction. We've been talking a lot about technology. I want to go into the realm of creativity as far as marketers go because that's what they're supposed to be doing. Or less, that's at least the way it used to be. Uh, Jerry Brown, you sent me some notes before the show. I want to reference a couple of notes here from you and then have you expand on them and have the rest of the panel chime in. So you told me, empowered marketers will facilitate the production of the creative big idea, and you put big idea in quotes, and on top of that, you also said the empowered marketer will lean heavily on their agency relationship. So let's bring in some old-fashioned ideas here combined with the creative big idea. What is this creative big idea? How does creativity play today? How can you trust the marketer to be creative Will the business trust the marketer to be creative? Let's start with that. Jerry Brown, go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it calls to mind that I recently had a, a conversation, a very interesting conversation with the CMO of, of Coca-Cola in, in the UK. Um, and uh, he was talking about, um, you know, the feeling that data has supplanted the big idea, um, that, you know, by having all these numbers at our fingertips, it's going to make us, um, you know, much more empowered and, and we can, and, and like the creative is kind of um, uh, commoditized and, and uh, in agency land that it, it's it's all kind of uh, you know that their whole um, reason for being is being questioned now because creative is is, is everywhere and anywhere and he, he was very succinct about saying that that's what he looks for his agency partners to do is, is to come up with the big ideas so big ideas are really incredibly hard to come up with which are differentiated uh, deliver value and, and connect and cut through the clutter of everyday communications which are on our desktops and everywhere around us today. So it's really important that marketeers help the creative agencies to come up with the big ideas. And, and that's really all about working with agencies in a different way. Uh, typically, marketeers have worked with agencies in a transactional sense um, mm -hmm. and as asked for, here's a, here's a request for proposal. Uh, give me a price, give me a time scale, give me a quality level, and and, and bam, you've got your uh, solution. So to get the big idea, you need to open your arms and be much more collaborative with your business partners and your agency partners in particular, uh, and to work with them interactively. So 
For example, uh, when Coke works with their agency partners, what they do is to say, these are the outcomes that we're trying to achieve. This is, this is why we're having this conversation in the first place. You need to tell us how we get to the, what are the inputs and the process which lead to the outputs. And so if they feel that the agency or the, or the agencies have got the big idea, understand the concept of, of what the output needs to be and have the right inputs, they work with them in a very collaborative, interactive manner to brainstorm, discuss, to coach, to nurture the agencies, mm. to bring together that big idea which they can use across all their campaigns and marketing materials. Thank you, Jerry. Jeff Tanner, I'm interested in your point of view on this, especially from your perspective as director of Baylor University's Innovative Business Collaboratory, that collaborative word that Jerry just tossed around in terms of the marketer working with their creative agency looking for that next big idea. So, Jeff Tanner, what's your POV on this? I think it calls to mind, it takes me back a little bit to our discussion around what empowerment is, and mm-hmm. empowerment is a is to some extent moving the the boundaries back uh, within which someone can operate, and so what he's really saying is that um, one of the things we've got to do is we've got to empower agencies to think beyond the data and really come up with creative solutions. And uh, while I think that's, you know, he's talking about it in the scope of the um, of the agency and the agency uh, marketer relationship, uh, I think it's, it's very similar in terms of taking uh, and, and empowering salespeople, for example. Um, and we've heard a lot about uh, in the market, uh, the vendors talking about um, how their, their CRM solutions empower salespeople and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, really it's not uh, – enablement is just like a step on the way to empowerment. I've got to have – the tools and the skills, but I've also got to have the freedom to come up with that big idea, and I think that's what I was getting at when I was I was saying, yes. you know, it's more than just messaging strategies. It's it's also really thinking uh, uh, more broadly than that. And I, I also think that that's why I was saying we've got to empower the relationship because it's, it's in that uh, relationship where somebody has the scope and the freedom to say, um, to, to to bring value by being creative, uh, and it may be a salesperson or it may be an agency or in our work in the, in the collaboratory, it may be a, a team of students working with, um, mm-hmm. with an organization or, or a faculty member working with, uh, with an organization on, on some project. So I, I really think it's about the, that trust and moving the boundaries and giving people more freedom to play more creative. Thank you. And, and I imagine when you have students in the collaboratory, you probably do see that raw big idea, that creativity coming from people who don't know what they're going to be told is wrong. In other words, I'm hoping that you still have that raw creativity that comes out of the inquiring student mind. Hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? Do you still see that? That, that is so true. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and there is just, you know, um, Experience has a lot of value, but um, but these kids bring such freshness to to uh, situations. And we're we're doing a project right now for Cabela's, and it's just it's amazing. They presented their preliminary ideas to the Cabela's team, and the, those guys are like, "Wow, this is this is just incredible." Because 
there, one of the things we don't really recognize sometimes is that our limits of empowerment are, are framed by our own experiences and we can't see. And, that, and that's why Jerry needs, that's why Coke needs those agencies to bring those big ideas because Coke is constrained by what their experiences have been. Well, it's mm-hmm. the same thing when our students come in and they don't, they aren't, they don't, they, nobody's ever told them that that's a bad idea or that they can't do this or they, exactly. they can't do that. And so they just bring in all kinds of wonderful, innovative thoughts and it, it really gets exciting. Exactly. And I like that. There's another E where we have empowerment, enablement. Now we have exciting and excitement. Uh, David, Rob, Rob, you want to talk for a moment about this topic that we're discussing right now? Well, I have three words for you here. Kidnapped nude kittens. <laughs> oh, let me be still my heart. Hold on. All right, and, you have to you have you to know, explain if that, all please. You do is, if all you do is look at metrics, and all you want to do is attract mm-hmm. attention, at least online, just yep. put kidnapped nude kittens in your headline, and you will get great metrics, all right? So <laughs> the problem is not that metrics are bad. Because look, look at what uh, you know, the, the Coke guy said. He said, we, we give them our goals, and then they come up with ideas that meet the goals. So he has a very disciplined set of goals, which I guarantee you he's expressing in very specific metrics about awareness and brand attitudes and all the classic things that marketers have always measured. But he's, and then he's looking for ideas that are really supporting meaningful business goals, not ideas that are simply going to attract clicks, like kidnap nude kittens will attract clicks, but it won't really, it can get them to the Coke website, presumably, but it's not going to really do much for the Coke brand. So we really have to go back to the fundamentals of marketing, which is all about branding and, and attributes and all the things that we learned, you know, back in business school, uh, and then make sure that our creative, brilliant business, big ideas are really supporting those fundamental attributes of the business, the fundamental brand goals, and use metrics intelligently. So metrics are not the enemy. Bad metrics Mm -hmm. are the enemy. And big ideas have to be in service of good metrics. Very well put. Michelle Cooper, you want to join this part? And then I'm going to take it in a completely different direction. Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, I mean, I think the the absolutely businesses are looking for their marketing um, organizations and, and including their agencies to really identify the next big idea, right? And I think that it was touched on by the other panelists that that has to be, that idea has to be in support of those of growth initiatives. We think one of the, the biggest things that a modern marketer can play in, in really identifying those new big ideas or those new market opportunities is, is really kind of channeling um, the voice of the market, right, and being very, very smart about not only understanding customer insights, but the competitors and, um, you know, where the market is, is headed and leveraging all of the information from the full ecosystem to kind of bring that to bear on the business and really use that as a way to help um, inform and guide and, and ultimately get to those next big um, set of ideas. And from our perspective, we really believe that, you know, where marketing truly becomes empowered and where modern marketing is headed is when the, the marketing organization is a strategic component of the business and they're at the table and they're helping to guide the entire organization in and around where that next big batch of growth 
and market opportunities will come from. So I, I agree. I think that we play a huge role in that, and I, I think that using the metrics are important, but it's it's one element of getting that whole, um, getting it right. Thank you, Michelle. Good perspective. Thanks all on that. And I'm going to take this in a completely different direction, I think. Our topic is future of the empowered marketer or marketeer. The subtitle of that is the science of customer centricity. Now, I have an extremely provocative, in my opinion, comment from Jeff Tanner here in the notes before the show. Jeff, I want you to talk about this, and then I want everybody to chime in. I'm not even going to call on you. Just jump in. The comment is customer experience is overrated, or rather, most get it wrong. That sounds like fighting words. Has anybody beat you up over that one? Jeff, talk to me. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've raised some um, some real uh, eyebrows in, in putting that out there. But the, the thing is, is that um, we're looking at customer experience as um, – as, as if it is the end-all, be-all, but we're getting it wrong because we're, we're focusing on the customer touch points and only on the customer touch points. And, we only de- and, and so frequently we only define those in terms of the, the time that we have somebody interacting directly with that customer. And I think we're, we forget about the fact that the only reason the customer interacts with us is that there's a need that needs to be filled or a desire that they want to satisfy. And that is something that a lot of times um, uh, continues well beyond uh, the, uh, that, that customer touch point and our service blueprint. Um, so as a result, uh, we're focusing a lot on, uh, of attention and discussion and so forth on around empowering frontline employees to, and so on and so forth. Well, that, that works great in a, in a service-driven environment. But in other situations where the value is uh, the real value is delivered by the product, uh, we're we're missing that. We're, we are not looking carefully enough at how they interact with the product after we've sold it, and um, and thinking about uh, about what's happening. Uh, that's that's where I think we're missing it. It's that customer experiences that is when I take it home, I unwrap it, and I start mm-hmm. using it in with other products and, and in my own environment, what's really happening. How does that work in B2B, Jeff? And I'm going to ask Michelle to chime in after Jeff answers. Go ahead, Jeff. That is a great, great question uh, because, um, and, and the show has to come to an end at some point, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to scope my answer <laughs> down a little okay. bit. All right. And being a professor, you know I'm long-winded. So, but it depends on the on the type of product. So if this is a product that I'm going to be using in the function of my job, mm-hmm. um, then you've got to understand how I'm going to be using it in, in performing my job and what does it mean to me both professionally and personally. Um, if this is a component that goes into a product, uh, then that's another issue. And, um, you know, I was, I was talking with a guy one time who was selling the the milk container that goes inside the milkshake machine that they use at McDonald's. And the engineer was pushing him on cost, and he, and he said, that, but that's going to look terrible. Is that what you want and what you design? And he said the guy almost broke down in tears because his professional image was wrapped around how that machine looked and performed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
that experience is not just um, the interaction, but it's also what what happens even in the B2B situation. Now, if I'm if I'm selling paper, okay, maybe it's all about the the connection. Uh, but if I'm selling software or I'm selling a piece of uh, uh, manufacturing equipment, then I need to understand how those users are using it and and what drives their decisions. And if for no other reason than those are my future decision makers, um, mm-hmm. and my research going all the way back to my dissertation says, if you don't take care of their experience, then they're going to get you on the next, the next opportunity. Very interesting. Michelle Cooper, I want you to come in, and I, I have a comment here from your talking points on the same topic. You say synchronize the customer experience across all channels. So why don't you pick up where Jeff left off on customer experience is overrated, and let's have your point of view on this and synchronizing. Go ahead, Michelle. Absolutely. So I, I agree um, with his comments, right, that we as a just as a – as businesses, right, in general, need to think about that customer experience much broader, right? Traditionally, we think about it up until the point of the sale, and and we know that there's a whole life cycle that happens after that. So I think just as a rule of thumb, um, we all need to kind of broaden our understanding and and definition of what that full end-to-end customer life cycle looks like. And when you understand that, then you can, I think, are much better equipped than to really understand how to, um, you know, guide that experience and improve that experience. The other thing I'll touch on is, and I think that, you know, even in our own business, right, the, um, you know, we would have historically sold into an IT shop, and that would have been, you know, the primary customer that we work with and, you know, from a day-to-day perspective. Now, the experience of the users is so critical um, to us, right? I mean, if you think about the consumerization of IT, the people mm-hmm. that are interacting with our products and solutions are expecting the same experience that they have on their smartphone. So I think that it's not only the experience with your um, primary buyer, but it's understanding all of those different buyers and consumers and customers and the experience and the perceptions and interactions that they have with you long beyond the initial sale. And I think that's a tremendous opportunity. I, I believe we're seeing that more than ever before, and I know from our own um, business, we're spending a lot of time making sure that we understand those user requirements, and we're evolving to really support them in the way that they would expect to interact with us. Thank you, Michelle. You know what? I'm going to take us to break. This has been a good marathon roundtable. We've covered a lot of topics. This is a huge topic. Maybe David will invite you all back for part two. I don't know what his calendar. Uh, Yes, we're going to come back, and I'm going to ask another tough question. What do you predict? What's in the crystal ball? I want... David Robb and Jerry Brown and Jeff Tanner and Michelle Cooper. During this 90-second break, I want you to run out, whether your crystal ball is Steuben or whether it's something you found at a flea market, whether it's in the garage or whether it's in the trunk of the car or in the attic or the shed out back. I want you to find it. When we come back, I'm going to ask you if we fast forward five years from today. And, yes, the show is the future of business. We're going to go into the future. What do you think would be different about this conversation five years from today? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is the future of business with Game Changers presented by SAP Services. And a quick shout out to Andy Grieg, who is tweeting under SAP Services today. And he says he's drinking English breakfast tea with milk. That sounds delightful, Andy. Thank you very much. We'll be right back after the break. Brad, take us out. The 
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. We're jumping fast forward five years. Oh, I like the way that sounds. Fast forward five years ahead into the future, the future of the empowered marketer or marketeer, the science of customer centricity. What will have changed, do you predict, in the next five years? Will customer centricity be a, an overused, meaningless, or conundrum phrase? Will we still be talking about it as a science? I know that was my word. How will we be doing in terms of agency relationships and that next big creative idea? Will we be stuck with shiny penny? Oh, it's new software. I want it. So, David, Rob, I'm going to give you two minutes on the clock. Predictions, go. Well, I think that uh, two, five years from now, which, first of all, is not that far away at all, uh, we'll usually be seeing more of the change. We're going to see there's going to be three new channels we haven't imagined yet. Couldn't, couldn't even begin to guess what they will, but they will exist and they will be digital. We're going to have more data than we have right now. We're going to have a more precise information about what individual customers are doing. We're going to finally, and this actually would be a big change, we're going to finally have our data organized in a way that we can make much better use of it than we do today. So the the, the pipe dream of sort of omni-channel coordinated customer experience, to pick up the phrase, will, will be much closer to reality um, I would like to think that we will have adopted the much broader definition of customer experience that we were just talking about, that it's not simply about the buying experience, but it's about the experience across the use of the product. And because the products themselves will be reporting back on how they're used, product, you know, person by person, by individuals, the products themselves will be able to adapt and deliver a more suitable experience for each customer than uh, than they can do today. So I think what we're going to have is, is a much more intelligent, kind of flexible, uh, responsive world than than the world that we're seeing today. Thank you very much, David. Rob, two minutes. Jerry Brown at Ovum. Go. 2019, what's going to be happening? What will be the conversation? Well, we'll be talking about how leading organizations have managed to implement personalized multi-channel communication systems. So what I mean by that is that they will have mastered the data integration of marketing, sales, and service information so that uh, information is available on the desktop in real time so that marketing, sales, and service 
personnel are able to react and respond uh, to changes in the marketplace in an instant. So the real-time marketing organization will be here, but not only just marketing. It's going to be sales service. It's the real-time agile organization is going to be here. So some of the steps on the, on the road to this uh, nirvana that we're going to see in, in 2019, um, you know, today um, most organizations are building out digital uh, platforms. Uh, the next thing they're going to do is to look for uh, the, the key technology investments and resourcing choices, particularly outsource and insource, which is a, a big um, uh, place of debate, particularly for CIOs and COOs. Multi-channel communications will come on stream big time. Mobile is going to be the biggest thing ever, and social enablement and how we use those in a very productive, productive manner is going to come to the fore, and, and they're going to become fully integrated into our organizations. Uh, so what I think is when we get to 2019, what will, uh, you know, how, what will the quality be like of the way we're receiving marketing communications and having two-way conversations, what we call the conversational wave, uh, with our vendors? Um, it's going to be it's going to be okay. It's going to be you know in its early stages of the next generation um, of, of marketing communications and customer communications. Um, and what uh, we're going to be looking for is that the kind kind of the next stage, which is the minority report kind of thing, which is when it's very real time, very um, uh, relevant, triggered, personalised. A lot of those things are going to be a little bit down track and aren't going to appear for another five years on. So we'll have to do another one of these in five years' time, Bonnie, and we can talk all about <laughs> the minority report situation of 2024. Thank you very much, Jerry Brown. Jeff Tanner, two minutes. Predictions, go. You bet. I think the, the first thing is we're going to see greater integration of marketing across the, the entire organization. Uh, a lot less um, it, siloed marketing departments. And, and uh, marketing at the at the strategic table um, with the CFO, and, uh, because the value of the customer is going to drive the, the value of the customer. The CLV of a customer is going to drive the valuation of the firm, and I, I think we're going to see that kind of integration. We're going to see integration with the supply chain, um, because what's going to happen is that the data are going to empower the marketer to have more strategic and more relevant conversations all across the executive suite um, with the board and across the organization. Uh, I think we're also going to see uh, significantly more machine data, um, and we're going to see it start to make its way from engineering and into marketing. Um, I think we're going to see more self-serve analytics and people that are capable of using them. Uh, I, I really think that one of the things that's got to happen right now is we've got to have our people catch up to the technology that is available. Uh, so I really think there's going to be a lot of um, human development that's going to have to take place. And uh, we may actually see uh, some of the waves of technology slow down so that humans can catch up. Um, Jerry mentioned mobile. And, mm -hmm. you know, in the retail space, they've been touting uh, – Every December for the last three years that this is going to be the year of mobile, and it, and it just hasn't happened yet. Um, I think we're going to see it happen, and, uh, and not just in retail, but I think you're going to see some B2B applications of, of mobile 
that we haven't even thought of. And the one thing that I think is going to really accelerate, so I said the, the human development process is going to inhibit development, but I yeah. think what's going to accelerate it is increased competition because if you look at where marketers are, are more likely to be empowered now, it's in the hyper-competitive arenas. And as um, competition continues to accelerate, you'll see empowerment and technology and data usage accelerate. Thank you, Jeff. I need to save two minutes for Michelle Cooper, and I need one minute to close. Michelle, I can give you 90 seconds. We're tight. Go ahead. Predictions. Absolutely. I agree completely that marketing will be a strategic growth driver for the business. We'll be at the table, and we will be guiding product, message, and new market opportunities without a doubt, and that's probably sooner rather than later. Uh, And the other thing is I think that's really important is I envision a time where if you think about it as a marketing cockpit where your marketers will have real-time information coming in from them across all of these different channels, and they will be architecting and creating programs and messages that they put in offers that they put out into market real, real time. And, again, I don't think that's that far off, and we definitely are seeing um, some of the consumer companies already touching on that, but I think that will become the prevalent way with which we will go to market with like a tremendous sense of speed and urgency on that being fed by those real-time inputs. Thank you, Michelle. I need 30 seconds to close. I'm going to grab them for myself. Thank you all. Today, 4 p.m. Eastern, that's me, 1 p.m. Pacific, Startup Focus with Game Changers, talking about the impact of startups, tech startups, on the telco industry. Very interesting panel. You don't want to miss it. Monday, we start the cycle all over again. Financial Excellence with Game Changers, bright and early, 10 a.m. Pacific. Tuesday, HR Trends with Game Changers, 9 a.m. Pacific. Wednesday, Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. Pacific. And then next Thursday, we're back here again with the future of business with game changers 7 a.m pacific it's worth getting up early for thank you david robb thank you jerry brown thank you jeff tanner thank you michelle cooper and a shout out again to david fowler at sap services for sponsoring this series thank you to dave and andy for tweeting and a shout out to my co-producer malcolm kimberlin i'm bonnie d graham and i have a call to action for my guests and my listeners fasten your seatbelt. what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today bonnie d graham signing off for another live edition of The Future of Business with Game Changers presented by SAP Services. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.